<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Um, okay, so we're rolling. We're, we are coming in hot. Uh, we had some snafus. All the listeners out there, you're so excited about this, and we are too. And and then Jeremy came on and was kind of high maintenance. Um, he <laughs> demanded things that we didn't have. Um, and, put us but right he's in calm- our place. <laughs> but he's calmed down, and so here we are. Um, by the way, you look glorious. Is that a California sun that's shining on your face? It is, with a little like 5 o'clock shadow going on. I like that. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah. We're in California, by the way. We're in San Diego. Oh, nice. <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't, isn't that a recent? Did y'all just move out there? Yeah, we were in, we still got a place in Franklin. Okay. But we kind of are, we kind of split our time, but mostly out here. And we're in San Diego. We went to Palm Desert for about two and a half years and moved to San Diego a week and a half ago. So this is very, oh wow. my um, gosh. Basically, so what this is, this is the home. first podcast in the new house. A hundred percent. It was 120 degrees in the desert, and I left. Yeah. At some point, your body just goes, that's enough. Either we're going to die, oh, yeah. we're shutting you down, oh, yeah. or you have to move us. <laughs> 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 and you're like, okay, let's go. Okay, so so JC, um, the way that we start off to have we have what we call a brag sheet on you. And I'm not going to lie to you, this could take a while to read through, but I'm going to try because you – I've done a lot of things and uh, and it's really incredible. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to read this and you just get to sit there. John John always says at some point we're going to we're going to make the guests read their own sheet <laughs> in first person, which we I'm not going to do that today. I who are we going to do that with, John? I don't we need know. to pick a guest and we I just make like them do it. We have a lot of great candidates here. I mean, I think <laughs> JC would be could be the first. <laughs> it could be. I just love that you call me JC. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Uh, okay, here we go. Buckle up. Uh, Jeremy Camp is one of the most accomplished male artists. That's M A L E in uh, Christian music with five R I A A gold albums. Good gracious, five million albums sold. I don't want to read this anymore. Actually, I'm a little <laughs> overwhelmed. A Grammy Award nomination, three American Music Award nominations, five Dove Awards, four ASCAP Songwriter of the Year awards. Camp has over 40 number one radio hits across all formats. Man. All right. Camp's newest album, which is, I mean, it's still the newest one. I know you have one coming out here like in a couple weeks, don't you? Yeah. Two weeks. Okay. 
Okay, two weeks. Um, not to your counting, I've done a million of these interviews. Camp's newest album follows the chart-topping success of his most recent project, again, before the new one. The story's not over, which yielded three number one radio hits, Dead Man Walking, Keep Me in the Moment, and Out of My Hands, in a film, which is incredible we want to talk about, about his life from major studio Lionsgate, I still believe, and I still believe in all caps. I don't know if they actually did it on the poster, but it's all caps here. This year, Camp's nonprofit called Speaking Louder has contributed its mission to reach hundreds of thousands around the world through free evangelism. <laughs> I do this for a living, guys. <laughs> this is my uh, Mississippi. You can take me out of Mississippi, but you can't take the Mississippi out of me, guys. <laughs> Evangelistic concerts, and I'm not going to make Indiana jokes because that's too easy with both y'all. In partnership with local ministry leaders and establishing lasting mercy-based projects and things like house rebuilding, medical centers, orphan care. That's so cool, by the way. Uh, 2020 was a massive year as Camp celebrated the release of his hit film, I Still Believe, which chronicles his personal story starring K.J. Appa, Britt Robertson, Shania Twain, I mean, and Gary Sinise. Jeez, man. Amazing. <laughs> Shania Twain. Um, Camp also released a marriage book with his wife, Adrian, in unison and released a greatest hits album in February 2020, along with re-releasing a memoir, I Still Believe. Um, and as we said, has a new album coming out when you speak September 10th. I mean, dude, <laughs> that's actually, it's kind of embarrassing. And I apologize for you having to read for four minutes. <laughs> that was, I mean, that's intense. I mean, and, and not just, is it incredible? Like the whole thing, but 2020, man, you like, you were you like, really let's do this. Last year. <laughs> what, like, what is a pandemic? What is it? You know what I mean? <laughs> you're like, what happened in the world? I was just here working. <laughs> People got sick. Okay, that's a new thing. So, so something that we always love to ask after reading something like that is like, how do you feel when you hear that? Like, what, 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 you know, how do you feel hearing all those things? I think, I mean, not to like hyper be, try to be humble here. Like, oh, you know, that, but I think you, when I hear that, I'm listening because I don't hear that all the time. Like some people will say, right. here's your stats or they'll read parts of stats or say a certain thing but you read the whole thing. Um, wow. <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't make your kids read that when you come in to dinner every night? Well, that's definitely the <laughs> them. <laughs> You're not going to know that. And uh, so it's, <laughs> I think it's one of those things where you, you realize all that God has done. And I think mm -hmm. I really do when you say that and I listen to it. It's like the other night I was playing a concert and I was singing a song called Keep Me in the Moment. And all of a sudden I realized I want to be in the moment. So I started thinking about what I was doing and I had mm. these chills from the bottom of my toes, to the top of my head, because yeah. I was like, I get to do this. I'm singing a song called Keep Me In The Moment, and I'm realizing what I'm doing. And the gratitude was like chill bumps. And so I think when you do yeah. that and I listen and trying to think about really what's happening, I get these chill bumps. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you come from, I went from a really hard tragedy in my life, and we can talk about that later, mm. but to all that kind of the faithfulness of God has shown. And I think that has been right. for me such the story of my life is like hardship, beauty, beauty from ashes. I mean, it really is. It's, it's right. a story. So I'm thankful. So what, so, so something that I thought was really interesting and, you know, you, you spoke to this earlier, both you, you and uh, Jay Macker from Indiana, shout out to the Hoosiers out there. Um, was, was, and it's something I think is always especially interesting in stories. I think like yours and you can confirm, don't deny it, but you can deny it off the record. But right now it's about, me kind of sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, so please don't ruin that facade. Um, but it sounds like you didn't grow up like me. John sounded like this. John was playing piano in utero. But like, you know, music was a little bit of a later thing. Like that wasn't something you were always like gritted out. Like I'm, I'm in the grind. I'm doing the music thing. So I think it's especially interesting for those of us who sort of came into music later when you hear something like that that I just read. Because again, that wasn't like you were going, you know, 12 years old in your room playing guitar riffs for hours, you know, going, this is it. This is what I'm going to do, you know? Which, which just makes it all the more frustrating for guys like me <laughs> who were. <laughs> just to say. I love how I mean, to just chime in. It he has to. You're like, you've been trying to do this your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of fell into it. Look at all this award. Go ahead. I, just, I heard under his breath, I hate you. Real quick. I said, sure, yeah, real quick. Yeah, yeah, no. He usually says it in Hebrew, so it's even more sort of Christian-y. Um, so, I mean, is that, was music, I mean, in hearing all those crazy accomplishments, was that something that was a little later for you? Wasn't that sort of like yeah. high school or something? Yeah, so basically, I, I played, I was a sports guy. So all my life, I was baseball, football, basketball. Everything was sports. 
And we grew up loving music and grew up, you know, going to concerts as a family, but it wasn't a thing that I, my dad played guitar, but I didn't really, I wasn't interested because I love sports so much until I was, I was 14 when I kind of picked up the guitar. Not even where I said, oh, I'm going to do this. It was like, dad, teach me a few chords. I want to sing Every Rose Has a Thorn and Bon Jovi's Lay You Down in the Bed of Roses. You know, I want to sing those, you know. Those good old worship anthems. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I think and then it ended up being like Pearl Jam and Stunt of the Pilots. And, but right, I was, right, it was right. those kind of feelings. I was like, I want to sing some songs. So I became the like, hey, here's a new song on the radio. Check it out. I'm going to sing it for mm-hmm. you. And the girls were like, oh, my goodness, you can sing and play the sports. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so you were, you were that guy. You were I, the guy figuring out like the Foo Fighter song. Oh, absolutely. At the party. Yeah, 100%. So that was me. And, you know, that was before I was kind of at the point I wasn't really serving the Lord and I was for living for myself and said, I, I can do anything I want to, you know, gather the attention that I want from people. And it just was that kind of mindset, you know. And so really not until I was, I would say, 17, when I was playing a little bit, I started writing my first song and realized that, wow, I can write songs from the heart. And at that point, God had got a hold of my heart and completely changed me. And I was not the same person. So I think what happened was when I started serving the Lord, it absolutely became a thing where I said, I want to write songs that have purpose and meaning. And didn't even know I could write songs. And so it just came out of my heart. So I think that was what spurred me along to go, oh, I like sports, but I think I'm actually, you know, my senior year of high school, I kind of played football, but wasn't that interested anymore, which was a shock because I wanted to play football. Mm. Like I wanted to go to college, play Purdue University, you know what I'm saying? John, Purdue University. That was my thing. And it was one of the saying the same thing. <laughs> I see. I see Dave laughing at you. Um, I, I, I had a random thought at the exact laughing? same time about something else that had nothing to do uh, with yeah. John saying. Because Dave gets in his own world, so John, don't take me. Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, yeah. So many questions ahead of y'all. So many questions. Ahead. So many thoughts. <laughs> so that was a thing later where I, I started going, "Okay, I love music," and then it kind of was from that point on. So that I'm is, just curious if we could take that very first song that you wrote and and the very last song that you had just written yeah. side by side, would they would people listen to it and be like, oh yeah, these are these are two Jeremy Camp songs? Well, the first one sounded like Every Rose Has a Thorn. I keep singing that. Reminding <laughs> me of that. But I kind of wrote a, a song called Set Me Free. And it was a song saying, like actually asking the Lord to kind of set me free from all the junk in my life. Um, and that had this exact kind of melody as Every Rose of the Thorn. Poison was, you know, my thing. So I would say coming from that to now is a completely different thing. And I think there's a progression of music. Like when I first started, even in the industry, my first album was is completely my voice sounds completely different. So if you listen to like go back to my first album because you have so much time and I know you want to do that. So <laughs> go back to my first album and listen to some of the songs and then listen now and you will say is this the same person because I sound completely yeah. different. So Yeah. John, if you want to see John and I squirm like with as much awkwardness and john i don't know what the algorithm is it is it awkwardness and shame it's a nice cocktail of things but like if you want to really see us get uncomfortable start playing our first records for us oh my gosh and you just you just see me like slowly i turn i like uh turn into uh what's the dude from the hobbit like i just slowly turn into you know yeah yeah i'm just like anything i I feel the same way that you're saying like i was singing totally differently my, I, I listened to it and I'm like, what was I doing? Why didn't anyone stop me? <laughs> it's like, like I, I have this like throaty, nasty, oh, it was terrible. That was me. It's kind of like a bad hairstyle where I look at, you know, over the 20 years I've been doing this and I'm going, yeah, I mean, why didn't you tell me that I looked like a, an idiot? I mean, it's just, what else do you say? That's really what you feel like. <laughs> right? like an idiot. Well, but chances are, I mean, everything in context, you know, we'll probably look back 20 years from now and be like, God, our hair was terrible then. What were we doing? You know, it'll be some new thing or we'll, you know, it'll be. Right. Um, but yet I, I, I'm with you are, you need to know that you're in the safe space with us, Jeremy, because I mean, I, I don't feel like I have a lot of friends at first couple of records. They're not like, man, what was I did? Like, you know, you just, you every, I actually, I, I was, I genuinely listened to your first record and I was ready for that. I'm not like. 20 minutes ago, literally, I was like, I want to listen to something. And I was like, man, how did he, I'm not just saying this because you said that, but I literally thought to myself, it's not fair that he actually sounds good. Because I was kind of ready for like, he's, you know, we're, we're, I think we're the same age. I was like, I bet you he had like maybe a record or two where like, he's like, and I was like, no, 
this is frustrating because this actually sounds good and I'm not, I don't like this anymore. (laughs) And you you can hear him being good at sports while he's singing. Yeah, yeah, you're like doing push-ups while you're singing, which is super annoying. Um, So one of the things that that I think is really, really, really cool, this is, so you're the first guest on Dadville that has had a movie made about him. Now, we've had actors, and I don't want to brag, I don't want to brag, that's, I'm not here to brag, I'm not, that's what, we have had huge actors on here, but, you know, again, no one that has had a movie made about them, and I just feel like I... I could spend maybe a couple hours just on this because yeah. it is so fascinating to me. But I guess the first question is, how did that even, how did that come about? Like, how does it, is that something you're floating to people and just hoping somebody bites? Or is that like a studio comes to you? Or is it a, you know, is it a bunch of things at once? Or how did that come about? Yeah. So I had written a book about my life because, you know, I've shared my testimony for years and I'd written songs like I Still Believe and Walk By mm-hmm. and all these. My first album basically was was written right after my wife had died. And so there's just this freshness of pain, but God's faithfulness in there. So people ask me my story. I said, you know, I'm going to write a book so you can hear the whole thing from top to bottom. And so I wrote this book and somebody had picked it up, you know, and said, Hey, I want to do, I'd love to do a movie in your life. So it was a whole process about 10 years ago that happened where someone wanted to do a movie in my life. And I said, okay, we went down the whole director writing a script and it did not feel right. Like it was like, wow. you're not the right person. This doesn't feel right. The script feels completely off and not right. So I put it to bed. I was like, you know what? Forget about it. It'll probably never happen again. So well, then, hold on. I'm going to have a lot of questions. So get yes, ready for a lot of interruptions. When you say it doesn't, <laughs> when you say it doesn't feel right, like is that it didn't feel like um, true to form or it was like too exaggerated or like they were focusing on the wrong parts of the story? Yes or? and yes. Like just everything okay. about it, the flow just didn't feel right, you know, in the right time. And if you're going to do a movie on your life and just even do a movie in general, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's some becoming some good Christian movies now, but like there's a really a lot of bad ones. And so I was that person where even as you said, my first album, I wanted to make sure that everything I did was with excellence, you know? And so mm-hmm. you, even though I may sound different from then, I still made the best I could with what I had. And so I feel like that this was one of those, no, it wasn't working. So I didn't really honestly think about it until I can only imagine came out, you know, the Mercy Me story. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and they actually came to me when the movie became successful and said, Hey, we've read your book and we're looking for the next film. And we didn't want to do a music artist at all, but because we just did one, but your story is it's so different and it's so intriguing. And I think there's something to it. Um, this kind of love story. And so it was more of a conversation. We read your book. We had a successful film. Well, what happened was Lionsgate. This is where it kind of really hit. So Lionsgate, which is, you know, done Twilight and all these big, oh, yeah. big tons of films. They actually were meeting with Lionsgate because they wanted to do kind of this partnership deal. And he was like, hey, I have this idea of this guy's artist named Jeremy Camp. Here's the story. And one of the head executives were like, oh, I know Jeremy Camp. I love his music. Let's do this movie. And it was like, they, they were all shocked too, the Irwin brothers, because they thought, okay, it's going to be maybe a hard pitch because it's a music thing again. And they were just like, no, we're in. So everybody in the room was like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And so we moved forward and literally you guys like blood, sweat, and tears going, going through the world. Siri just talked to me. I said, seriously, (laughs) I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Playing blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, so it was one of those those things where you just pour everything into it, and they get like you said earlier. You get Gary Sinise. So I have Lieutenant Dan as my dad. You know, it's insane. Yeah. Nye Twain's my mom. Man, I feel like a woman. You know, you're like this is crazy. And then you have this kid, this kind of rising, you know, heartthrob kid saying, "I want to be in it," and everything was going just. Right. And I'm pouring my heart into this going, God, for how many years? And we had this kind of shelled for 10 years. And now you're bringing it back to a whole different level, like something beyond you can even fathom, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ended up being in 3,300 theaters, which we were wow. shocked. I mean, it was the, yeah. the biggest Christian films ever, you know, in the theaters of, of how many you know theaters it was in. And basically everything was going right. I mean, my, my manager, you guys, this is no joke. He said this very thing. He said, barring a world war or a pandemic, that's what he said, barring a world war or pandemic, this thing is going to do amazing. 
And I'm not kidding you, Matt Baum, you, you probably haven't met my man. If you haven't, you have to meet him. His number is 615. <laughs> and so he, he said that. And so March 11th hit. My movie was coming out March 13th. Everything was going right. We had data like, you have a billion impressions on your name out on the internet. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like you never, this never happens, you know? And it comes out. Um, that March 11th was the pandemic and things started shutting down. The NBA shut down March 11th. That was the same day. Mm -hmm. And it came out March 13th. And I remember our tour got canceled uh, March 12th. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And it was just this devastating, you know, because, you know, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm sharing my story. I'm watching it being filmed, weeping, because you're bringing up some of the hardest things of your life that I'm actually living pain. And so, March 13th comes. It was the number one movie in America on Friday night, which was incredible. And then, you know, New York Times did a, um, it was New York Times, New York Post did an article that said, because Bloodshot, this Vin Diesel movie came out the same weekend. And the article was this, God beats out a superhero. And it was this amazing moment where, you know, New York Times, New York Post, one of the two had this article just saying, God beats out a superhero. And then it shut down. And then it pretty much was it. And so, you know, to be honest, I think 2020, a lot of my, what do I do was we were getting ready and gearing up for probably one of the biggest years of my life of just busyness and kind of press and all this kind of stuff to being stuck at home. And so I'm like, what do I do with this? In a sense, like nervous energy. And God really took that nervous energy and directed it towards just some really beautiful things that he did in my family's lives in my life healing that I didn't realize I needed to have. I mean, there was some crazy healing I needed from all of that, bringing up some grief and like, Oh, I didn't realize I had so much junk and healings to still do after 21 years. And so that was 2020, you know, nervous energy, doing stuff, learning things and healing. And, Mm. um, you know, seeing how God has used it now, because it was on streaming. I mean, it's been, it's done really well, you know, which I'm super thankful for. Because, uh, you know, streaming is now a big thing. And so it's been all over. But it's still that like lingering this whole year, you know, even this fall, we're on tour, but I'm kind of like, what's going to happen? I have PTSD of like, it's going to shut down again. Like everything shuts down. Oh, but I'm not the only yeah. one. Like you, you, know, you talk about it. It's like, I'm not the only one that's gone through this stuff. So I don't want to complain and like, woe is me. There's people that are losing stuff, like losing lives. Mm-hmm. losing. And so not to get all crazy serious, but I think that the reality is, Yes, for me, it hurts and it's a bummer, but I think the reality is painting the picture of everybody else going through things. And there's a lot worse things happening right now. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, I have a long... <laughs> no, no, no. So I've, I've got two, two questions that immediately come to mind. Like one, I'm curious, what was your... So it started with a book that you wrote, like a right. memoir. And I'm always curious with anyone who who writes a memoir, unless you were just president and then you put your memoir out, but what is the motivation behind it? Like after going through what you went through, losing your wife, was it like more of a journal, like therapy and less of like, well, I'm going to share this. This is just for me. Uh, so what was the impetus of that? And And also making this movie, seeing this movie being made about all this journey that you've been through, you know, 20 years later, were you, were there things that you were surprised by, like things that you were processing 20 years later that you, that were surprising you? Cause I would imagine going into the movie, I would be thinking I've, I've gone through this stuff more than anyone goes through. Like this is a, an, an examined life of all examined lives, right. you know? What was that experience like? So I, first of all, that question is a really good question in, in all aspects. I mean, the book really was written due to, I think in a sense, getting it off, telling it all the time. And what I mean by that is I think there's a point mm-hmm. where you go through a grief and everyone wants to hear your story, which, listen, I'm thankful right. that I can have a story to share that how God has been faithful in the midst of pain. But I remember my right. wife saying one time, I quit sharing my, my testimony and she's like, Hun, why aren't you sharing this? And I was like, I just, I don't want it to become just another story. I don't want it to become a thing where it's contrived and I'm just sharing my story to get an emotion. Mm. I'm just not that type of yeah. person at all. And so I've never right. wanted to do that. 
And so I think part of it was started going, I just want to write it on a book and say, you want to hear my full story? Here you go. And not in a bad way or like, leave me alone. Here's my book. Like, don't even ask me questions. Read my book. You know, you want to get to know me? Read my book. Don't even get to know. It's not, it wasn't that. It was, it was more, let me share kind of more in depth because it's really hard to share that type of story in a short amount of time anyway. And so right. I felt that it was, it was that, and it was healing as well. You know, because you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're processing as you're writing, you're processing as you're sharing your whole kind of life story. And then with the film, I think the surprising nature of that was when you're watching scenes as you're filming and just thinking, I'm just watching a, a movie, people that aren't even, that's not, they're playing me and my wife, but it's not me and losing my mind, like just weeping like it, it i felt like i'm not kidding you guys there was moments where i felt like i was actually there in the moment and mm-hmm. it me back and so i remember i i was weeping i went away my wife runs after me she's holding me and i'm crying i kind of got my com- composure and go back and i'm sitting there watching and i'm watching the darkest part of my life and then here's my family i remember i was behind them as my wife and my two daughters and my son and they're watching the filming and literally you guys, this beautiful moment of going, I'm watching the hardest part of my life where I thought that I would never get through this. And, but I'm looking at the faithfulness Jeez. of God in front of me with my wife and my three kids watching mm-hmm. God be faithful right? and watching yeah. God. And it was like my daughter years ago. She's like, dad, I don't know why I pray. And it, could we have a very open, like, Hey, if you guys are questioning God or question those things. Mm-hmm. I, I was raised, you don't question at all. And mm-hmm. we're like, questions so we can talk through them. You know, if you're having mm-hmm. questions, we all have questions. And I was like, listen, sometimes God answers your prayers. Sometimes he says, wait. Sometimes he says, no, it's just, it's what it is. There's no rhyme or reason. I, I wish I could give you the answer on why. But I will tell you this. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that God would heal my wife. Like, I, I mean, when I say you do all that you can do, I did all I can do. I said, if my wife would have been healed, you wouldn't be here right now. Mm. And it was like that moment of, of, oh, okay. And so it was that moment of them constantly realizing that, okay, this is just God's faithfulness. And this is what I, my dad had to go through. But look what he's done in the midst of that. And, and, and when you, I think too, when you read those stats and those things that you're reading, it's that kind of stuff for me. That when I went through that, you never think that, okay, this is what God's going to do in my life. I never thought that. I was, I was at the point where I'm like, I'm ready to kind of just go get a job somewhere and, you know, just kind of, I, I don't care about doing music or anything else. And all of a sudden, God's like, no, I have something for you so much greater. Mm. And he does these things and you just go, yeah, the faithfulness of God. So. So, so something that I think is so fascinating about that story too, which by the way, that story just wrecked me. Like, oh my God. I mean, I can't think about that. I'm going to start crying. You're sitting behind your family. God, no, dude. I mean, forget about yes, it. it but, but I think like w- when I think about Adrian, how, how does she navigate this? It's got to be such an interesting thing, you know, cause it's like, mm-hmm. it's your story and yes, it's beautiful and it's gotten to where you are now. And y'all do have a feeling, you know, these children, you know. But I mean, it's got to be bittersweet too, because she's watching. You know, it's just got that's a that's a weird space. I mean, how has she navigated it? One, it's amazing to hear that you said that she says, "Hey, keep telling your story," because yeah. Yeah. I think if that was my story, and you know, my wife Annie had been married, you know, I'd be like, "It's probably t- maybe I don't know. Let's just tuck it away. It's good. Everybody knows. Like, you know, why don't you tell more about me? Let's, right now. Yeah, exactly. let's make your story more about me now, because I feel like that's me. And that, but I mean, you know, how, how has she navigated that? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, you know, and I, I think in the beginning there was this definite. She saw the power of the testimony because she was actually really ministered to by the story as well. So she saw mm. the power of the testimony, and so I think her first mindset was, you know what, this is not about me. It's not about Jeremy. It's not about Melissa. It's about encouraging people that Jesus is the only comfort and the only way. And I think that was a massive kind of thing for her and her mindset. Now, fast forward. Yeah. She had said, she goes, yeah, I had moments. Of course, you know, you're, you're sharing the delightful moments and sharing funny stories about you and Melissa. So yeah, you have moments of just going, okay. But it actually was, it was harder during the movie, you know, and she would say that it was harder during the movie because you're starting to see like, 
it's everything's about everyone's going to fall in love with Melissa and they're going to fall in love with mm-hmm. this love story that you see. And it just does, even though, you know, and she knows I love her, you know, with all my heart and, and that I don't think like, Oh, I wish that, I mean, it's none of that, but it's still one of those things where you realize she's going to be in the end an afterthought. And when she was, I mean, and it sounds terrible. She's not an afterthought, but in the movie, it's like she comes mm-hmm. in, has this quick dialogue and then you see that, oh, we got married and that's sweet, but no one knows her, but they right. sense no Melissa. So I think mm-hmm. there was a little bit of struggle and battle there, but I think very quickly, um, I mean, she's so secure just in her relationship with Jesus anyway. And, and you know, we, we, are, we have good communication talking through this kind of stuff. Um, and I think a lot of people, like good friends of hers were the ones going, hey, I thought about you during this. Mm, like I thought yeah. about you and what you'd be feeling. And I think the fact that, and it's not because she's selfish, but it's the fact that she was going, Oh, my friends were thinking about me and how it would make mm. me feel. Um, it was an encouragement. So yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Real emotions, you know, I, I would be, if that were me again, I would literally be like, okay, honey, that was great. So let's do, let's talk about part two. So I think we start with a big shot of Australia because this, this needs to be sort of, I enter, what is my backstory? What's my motivation? You know, and he's like, that's not a knife. It's just a knife, you know, and it's just, that's what you start off with. A very man. I'm sure you know. we could find the guy that played Paul Bundy, Bundy to be my dad, um, Crocodile Dundee. He's, he's around, he's doing his thing. Um, yeah, that's really, it's funny thinking about that. I just can't, you would, you said it very well, Jeremy, like, I think you would have to be very confident in knowing, I hadn't even thought of that angle. I was just thinking like how hard it would be to see my spouse, you know, and falling in love with that person who wasn't me. And, you know, and, and obviously there's context, but, but at the same time, I didn't even think about the fact that not just that, but audiences and people that don't know y'all are really you know, falling in love with her and going, man, I'm, you know, and, and then just having to deal with that would be crazy. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, it's that. a dynamic uh, that you don't even, it just happens. You don't even think about exactly. it. Exactly. That's really well said. Yeah. There's no way to prepare yeah. for that. Um, other than talking to Bart Miller and kind of seeing what it's like to have a movie made about you. <laughs> um, the other thing I want to ask you, and I know you've, you've, you've already spoken really to this, so it's not something you need to talk about forever, but I do think something that I have so much admiration for you for, I mean, there's a million things that I can't imagine going through a tragedy like that, especially at the age you did, but it just seems like it would have been a such a perfect time to just deconstruct into oblivion, you know, and just kind of to be like, I'm done, yeah. throw the deuce, I'm I, like, God, this ain't, this, you can't be real if something like this is happening, you know, but not only did you not, but now you, you know, you're, you're such a loud and um, respected voice in the Christian music community and just the Christian and just kind of Christendom in general, you know, it, it, it's so admirable, admirable to me to see you still doing that. You know, I think it's really cool to see how you were take, you were able to take that pain and not, and I'm sure have a lot of, I think that's beautiful what you said about your daughter. You're like, have questions. It's not about not having questions. Sure. Lord knows. I mean, you can't, read anything about Jesus and the disciples and think Jesus didn't like questions. <laughs> I mean, good gracious. <laughs> we wouldn't really have much of a New Testament if that were the case, but especially the Gospels. But I think like, you know, I, I think that's so, I just think it's really amazing. I have so much admiration for you walking through that. And I can't imagine the season it must have been in the moments you have where you're like, I just don't even, you know, not even, I'm assuming not knowing how to feel or what to do or where to take that energy, you know? Yeah. And I, I think, can't imagine that. I think, you know, what you said was kind of right. It's not like I didn't have questions. I mean, I think there's a point where we have to not be afraid of those questions. And, you know, I, I, I share this a lot because I think there's, there's a lot to this. Um, but when Jesus was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So there's a mm. moment of question that we don't ever talk about mm. because it's like, yeah, it's a great, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what, yep. yeah, we kind of skimmed by that. Like, what was that? And I think the point is, is that, yeah, there was moments of like, whoa, whoa. And that's not a sin. It's not wrong. But what happened, You he moved on right away and said, but into thy hands, I commit my spirit. And I think that is the beauty mm-hmm. of, of sometimes going, okay, God, I don't understand. I don't, are you going to answer my question? You're not. Okay. I, I have to just... I still believe. I mean, not to be, but like, mm. okay, yeah. but I still believe. And I think that is, it's like David, so many times in the Psalms were like, why are my enemies prospering? Why is this? Happening? Mm. Why are they coming against me? 
but I will still sing of your loving kindness and mercy. <laughs> like, yeah. But, yeah. And I think that you yeah, have yeah. to be able to, you know, have these conversations. And I think a lot of people nowadays that are kind of, you said deconstructing and in, in that yeah. moment, it's like allow questions, but don't, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know, take it to, yeah. I'm, I'm a big proponent of scripture. So I'm like, take it to scripture. Mm. You know, what is it in mm. scripture? It's like, I was raised a little bit more legalistic. And so I had to learn like, oh, okay, that's not mm-hmm. actually in the Bible. That's more of a rural <laughs> like, like regulation. So let me throw that one out, right. you know? So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, in, speaking of of your wonderful wife, Adrian, like I see, I, I, y'all have this book, and I'm fascinated. W- one, I think it's another great part of your story is that not only has God kept you preserve, you know, persevering through these things, but you you have this family, uh, and then you guys write this book, which I was laughing with John. We were kind of talking about this before. Like this, just always, I'm always terrified of if anybody, which no one has ever, like my kids would be like, please don't do this dad. Like you should never write anything about being a dad. Why do you have a podcast? You don't even know what you're doing. Oh, cause John's on it. That makes more sense. But like, especially with marriage, you know, it just feels like such a scary thing, but it's, it's, I know y'all have a very unique perspective. Obviously that's, it's a different, but what, what was the motivation in the book? Like, what was it that you guys felt like you really wanted to say? What, what were sort of the, you know, what was sort of the, the, the impetus for that? Well, I think Dave, we've realized that we had, like I said, you know, Dave, that was good. Super pro. I think we're, I think we realized that we had a perfect marriage. So we thought we'd share with the world. <laughs> and see. <laughs> so, no, I think a lot of it was, I mean, if, if you read the book, it's, it's sharing the things that we've learned in marriage and very transparent. Like if you read it, you'll, mm. you'll see Dave, you need to read it. So if you're on, <laughs> I'm feeling that I'm feeling a lot. I feel like it's now. fine. It's more you. Um, yeah. I, I bought Dave two copies of it. <laughs> I figured that that's because we're yeah. from Indiana. We kind of understand life. Um, <laughs> we get it. So, I, so for me, I, I think it was the, we had so many people and so many friends that would come to us and go, yeah, we're struggling and I just, I'm, I'm ready to give up. And and they're not really wanting to find a solution. They're at that point just wanting to talk through it to say they talked to it or somebody. They've already made up their mind. And mm-hmm. so I think for one reason was I want to share like, hey, you're not an island. Like when you go through these things, mm-hmm. here's arguments that we'll share in our book and how we navigated. Here's communication skills that we've had to learn. Like I'm the if, if Adrian wants to deal with a situation and I'm frustrated, like she would keep pushing and wanting to figure it out. And I'm like, I need space. And it caused for a long time, major issues mm. because I want space. She wants to deal with it. So we had to learn about communication. Like, Hey, give me space. And she's like, okay, well promise me that you'll deal with it at some point and not just mm. sweep it on the rug. I mean, it's little things like that. See, I think a lot of it was just wanting to say, Hey, you're not an Island. You're not alone. Here's struggles that we've gone through, but here's not just struggles. Like here's my dirty laundry deal with it more mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, yeah. here's struggles and here's how we've dealt with it. And here's what we've learned through it. You know, biblical principles, scriptures, practical, you know, even grieving things, um, financial, just quick. And they're all quick tidbits of just going, Hey, here's not a, a complicated book. It's more saying, Oh, okay. This is normal. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. That was the whole reason kind of background behind it. That's yeah. so it, I think it's awesome that you guys did it. Dave and I were just talking the other day about, you know, we're getting to the point in both of our marriages where we've been married for a while now and we have friends who have, you know, gone through divorces and you you come to realize that the these marriages were kind of over kind of yeah. long before they were over. You know what I mean? Like because there's so many things that you just don't talk about. Like, you know, when it when it finally comes to the point where people are coming to you and saying, like, I I think we're gonna get a divorce, it's like, well, we probably should have talked like two years ago, you know. But I'm curious with with your book. I mean, I'm just imagining Amy and I sitting down to write a a, a book on marriage. I immediately would just start sweating because yeah, there's sort I'm of like now. How, how how honest are we? There's got to be some some bits where you're like, well, say, are you going to put in the part about where you said that one thing? How you always do this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then she'd be like. No. Oh, we're back on that. And then we're just fighting again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, as you're typing, like everything she says, what did, sorry, just one thing. What did you say right before that? Okay. No, keep going. No, you're doing great. Yeah, I like, can say yelling. Right? As this you're, yelling. As I mean, you're writing the book, 
you, I, I would imagine you have these little arguments and you're like, we're not writing the book right now. This is a break. This doesn't oh count in the book. <laughs> Let me get this know with your chapters about how I don't love you like you owe me to love you. <laughs> I mean, you, you would think, I think if at first going into it, you're going, is this relational suicide here? Like, are we just going to put stuff in a whole kind of bind? And it yeah. really was, it wasn't that bad at all. It was kind of surprising. I think because we should, we're on our best behavior. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's do <laughs> You're like, we need, we need two really good years before we write this book. So let's just, <laughs> let's just forego any arguments. Let's be our best selves. We and went then to we the can sort of write it. for a year separate, you know, and just got ourselves, yeah, right. you know, kind of dealt with. And yeah, it was beautiful. So then we wrote the book. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there was probably moments of certain things that you're like yeah let's not that was a really bad moment <laughs> like i don't want to repeat that but it wasn't like we were holding back i mean you see yeah. you kind of get my personality you know and, and my quirks and mm-hmm. in, in marriage through the book and you'll get her you know personality and quirks in marriage and that's what we wanted to to come across here's yeah. here's me and you know where that could go <laughs> it's like you know where this right. personality can go and i think that's the whole kind of premise behind writing this was like yeah let's be really really honest but you know there's just certain things that you realize that was an epic fail. yeah that was not husband of yeah. the year award material yeah um so let's just kind of keep that out yeah so yeah, yeah. Let's, there's well, some it, it, famous quote about writing that like for writers if the people around you in your immediate circle are not a little uncomfortable then you're not really writing i don't know who said that mm. but i've heard that so with you guys writing a book about yourselves your marriage it's like oh there's, there's got to be some more. stuff in there that you're uncomfortable with 100 yeah. percent. i mean i should i show the story because we go really deep with our friends and real in a long story short so like my friend one day and we're very close and very just open and it was him and his wife me and my wife and he's like how you guys doing like we're gonna we ask each other how you guys doing how's your marriage mm. and i was like i don't know i just i kind of feel like i have some resentment in my heart towards adrian and he goes you need to see a counselor right now. I mean, just like straight up. So he literally gets his phone out, starts texting. And he's like, okay, Adrian, I sent you and Jeremy the counselor's name. And if he doesn't call by Monday, then I'm going to get on him. And I was like, okay. And so, <laughs> and so I did. So, so I saw the counselor. And, uh, and it was amazing because it was actually yeah. realizing that there was, it, it wasn't necessarily her. It was just my own junk. And I was projecting yeah. things on her and just feeling because just whatever that may be. And I realized it was junk yeah. in me that needed to be dealt with. And so he, that's the kind of relationships with people that you need to have. Like, and I, I'm, in, yeah. I share that story because I'm not afraid to say, yeah, I had this feeling. My friend called me out, see a counselor, because I think we have to be able to be honest with one another or what's the point? Like what's the point of life? Yeah. yeah. And you're just kind of going through mm-hmm. And like you said, John, you have someone that should have two years earlier had the conversation. Now they're already like, I made my mind up. Let's just kind of act yeah, like we made right. it effort, you know, complete effort. Yeah. yeah. There's something that's really cool hearing a consistency in sort of how you think about life that I do think is a wonderful, um, I don't like the word reaction, but it's a wonderful sort of like about face to growing up in a, you know, in sort of a legalistic culture. Yeah. It seems to be like, we gotta, we just gotta open this thing up. Like it can't, you know, from the way you're talking about your kids and, also in your marriage and yeah. which I think is really refreshing. And I, and I do feel like a lot of my friends, you know, all of us who sort of grew up in the church in the, you know, in the nineties, yeah. um, you know, that was around, it was hard not to feel a little bit of like checklisty. And if you're not, it, God loves you because you don't do things, you know what I mean? Um, 100%. and, uh, and I've, and it's, so it's refreshing to hear how much of your life. And I find a lot of my friends who really are trying to live authentic faiths. It's much more about, trying to be open and yeah. honest and, you know, being okay with questions or things you don't know, you know, as opposed to feeling like you got to have it all figured out. And speaking of that transitions well into your kids, speaking of having it all figured out. Um, so you have three kids. So it's, is it two girls and a boy? Yeah. Two girls and a boy, which how old are they? Uh, almost 17, um, 15. Okay. And then my boy is 10. He just turned 10. And I, I didn't, you okay. never said anything about my tag name here. Did you even read my text? Uh, dad of the year. Yeah, yeah that was, we sure. just assumed that. We, sure. Everybody we have on is a candidate for that. That's the only way we let them come on. And, and I'll, I'll share a little story about my dad of the year that just happened about a month and a half ago. 
And this is like Congrats. the end of the year where we go to meet. We're in South Africa. Now, South Africa, my wife's from South Africa, if you don't know. And she. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Not Australia. I, I said that wrong. Like, okay. You're like, why would the movie start in Australia? I'm like, well, just sit, stay with me. Okay. Yeah. I allowed you to have your kind of fantasy of Crocodile Dundee <laughs> and that whole. Yeah, I, I wanted you to go there. Yeah, just yes. you're in a flow. Which, which, by the way, South African is the <laughs> hardest accent to try to mimic to me. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because you, you always go British or you always go Australian. That's, there you absolutely. go. Absolutely. It's hard to kind of get that yeah. in between. And yeah, so yeah. We're, we're in South Africa and it's dangerous. Like it just really is. It's not a safe place. You know, her parents have bars around everything. They have walls with barbed wire with electric fencing. I mean, it's like, it's that intense. Wow. You know, you go there and you don't go out at night. You don't walk by yourself. I mean, it, just, it really is. So we're at the mall with me and my wife and her. What, what, what city? This is um, Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Okay. The bottom okay. coast. Yep. So here we are at the mall and, you know, I, I hear these stories about certain things parents do. How could you do that? Leaving your kids? Like, what is wrong with you? So here we are. We have two vehicles. My son's with me and, and you know, my, my sister-in-law's boyfriend. And we're going together to the mall. Go inside, come back out. My son's playing on a hill, like rolling down a hill. And I'm like, that's great, son. And, the you know... <laughs> That's so fun. So then the girls are over here and all of a sudden this lady starts talking to us. We're just having a sweet conversation. Great. And look up and she's like, okay, we hop in the car. And I just figure, I guess probably my son is with the girls. So we take off, we're driving and all of a sudden we get to the house and I go, mm -mm. he went mm -mm. with the girls, right? Egan. And he goes, I hope so. And he calls his girlfriend, my, my wife's sister and goes, is Egan with you? And she goes, what are you talking about? And she go, he goes, and I, I literally, you guys, I dropped to my knees. Now, I mind you, in a dangerous place, I leave my son. And, I, and she goes, no, kidding you. He actually was left, but he found somebody, told them he knew because he knows her name. And she's a real estate agent and was like, hey, her name's Jess Peens. She goes, oh, I've seen her sign around. This lady calls her and says, do you know in Egan? And she's like, yeah, she goes, it's okay. I have him, but he's with me. And oh my word, you guys. Oh my God. Was. And so he ends up having this conversation. My son's a very, he knows no stranger. He's just sitting there and talking to her and, you know, and she's like, <laughs> asking questions. And eventually it came out. She's like, he goes, yeah, and my dad, you know, his name's Jeremy Camp. She goes, oh, Jeremy Camp's your dad. So Jeremy Camp left you and knew who I was. <laughs> no. It was it was that devastating dad of the year moment that I had recently that somebody oh goes, so I heard you left your son in South Africa. I was like, you talking? I know this <laughs> I was there too. I didn't leave him in a country I wasn't in. Yes, I did leave him, but I was there too. That's very important. That's dad of the year. So that's why I wrote <laughs> that, that. That is like, just make sure you that's know. one oh, that's of the terrifying. You don't want your notoriety. That's like, that's when it really bites you. It does. And she's like, oh, you're fine. And you're like, yeah, you want to talk about some of the songs? No, no. I want to focus on the fact that your dad is he supposed to be like a good man. He left you here. I could have shivved you. I was going to kidnap you, but now I actually don't want to anymore. It's, it's turned uh, very quickly. So, 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 so you have the three kids, you have two girls and then the boy. Um, for, for Annie and I, it was zero to one, but I'm curious, what was harder zero to one? one to two or two to three? That's a different question for me and my wife because zero to yes. one is, was way harder for my wife, way easier for me. Cause this is terrible, but this is the stuff that you learn as you grow in a marriage and touring. I'm touring. <laughs> I'm like, this is embarrassing, but you know, <laughs> so, so the, for about a month of my child's life in the very beginning, I had a tour booked. And so I went on tour. I was gone for a whole month. So here she is by yeah. herself waking up all night, you know. And so uh, she would say definitely year zero to one. Um, I would say when I was home from two to three, I was home. So it was hardest for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I would say oh, yeah. also because of the – you start realizing um, they're busy now. So I come home and they're literally – which I, I love – but the energy that is, you know, put out when a two and three year old, when you've been gone, like daddy, daddy, and you're running around yeah. for hours and yeah. you're just exhausted from the road anyway. So for me, that was the most difficult because of what I do coming home. It's like super dad. And I'm a very, I love yeah. being intentional. Like when I come home, I'm not the like, leave me alone. I need to, you know, my arty self just I need to rest. Yeah. It's more like, 
okay, here I go. And just going for it. So intentionality is so huge. And that was me just going, yeah, I didn't have a lot of quantity time, but I had really good quality, but it was Mm -hmm. exhausting. You know, one of the hardest things that I have found being a touring dad Mm -hmm. is when I'm on the road, I always do this where I, I build up because like when, you, when you're on the road, I love being on the road. I love playing shows, but I want to be home, right? And so whenever you like, I know I'm going to fly home on Thursday or whatever. I'm going to be home for three days. I build those three days up so much in my mind. They are going, they're <laughs> idyllic in my mind. Like I'm going to land and somehow like the, the, the house is going to just be power washed and, and the lawn's going to be mowed and the, the girls are going to be like washing my car and we're going to go to breakfast and they're going to, you know. That is the hardest thing for me is coming home. And it, it's, of course, never going to go like that. I'm gonna, we're going to go out to brunch or something after they get me from the airport and the kids are going to fight. And I'm going to be like, this is not what I had in my head. <laughs> that, do you have that experience family. at all? Oh, yeah, like, where is my perfect family? 100%. Like, you have that. I, actually, I know exactly what you mean. Because you want to come home and expect, like, okay, I've been away. Daddy's been working, you know, so hard. And so when I come right. home... This, this house is going to be, there's going to be a meal mm-hmm. right away. I walk in, the meal's there. There's a candlelight dinner. Right. You know, everything's clean. Yeah. And it's just kind of yeah. like, and I think, I think the reality hits quickly of just going, she is, she's full time. You know, she's been mm-hmm. working full time as oh, well. Yeah. And so we have to come to this understanding. Like, hey, and, it, and she was good about moments trying this and cleaning and Mr. Can and all that. But it definitely, your idealistic mind had to be thrown out the window. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Oh, it's well, and that's that's one of the great things I would imagine about having you know a wife who knows music and is in music also, yeah. is yeah. you have a common vernacular. That was one of the biggest things that um you know I said to a guy the other day, a younger guy that lives in Chicago. We were talking about music, and he's kind of up and coming. And I was like, man, I just think you gotta you gotta move to Nashville or L.A. Like because he doesn't live in either one of those cities. And yeah. but I would say especially for couples, because one of the things that I think is so powerful about Nashville is you have a vernacular because the city is so based around music. So when families come here, all of a sudden a wife can start, you know, she has friends that she's, Oh, well, how's John? Oh, he's great. He's on tour. Oh, great. Where's he playing in the Midwest? Oh, is he at, and they start naming venues and you're like, how do you know this stuff? And it's like, well, you should come over, bring the kids over. My husband's gone to, or my wife's gone to whatever. There's, there's this weird, I, I remember that being such a blessing to Annie when we got married, she moved up, um, and, you know, had never lived here, didn't, you know, obviously me being a musician was a new thing for her too. But, you know, she would laugh because she'd see all these people and they were all like, oh, that's great. Where is he? Are they, yeah. Are they doing a bus tour? It's weekends? Cool, cool. Who's out with him? And she was like, how do you know what all these things are? And I was like, it's Nashville, you know? So I got to imagine, you know, she would, that's got to be like a really great cheat code for y'all is that she knows that. I mean, she knows it well. She knows. 100%. So you can come in and be like, this is exactly what was hard about this weekend. And she's like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. she, went, she was in the trudge too. I mean, she toured in yeah. the trailer and all that kind of stuff. She knows yeah. the hardships. I mean, I don't do that anymore, but it's like, I, but I do understand that as well. But she understands the grind. There's a grind to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And like, yes. If yes. you don't, if you're not, you guys know, if you're not in music, you do not understand the grind. And it's, oh, yeah. There's, there's it is noise and there's blessing. It's like with kids, like it can be a grind, you know, but there's yeah, so yeah. much beauty as well. It's like, but the, yeah. <laughs> you see the like, yeah. my kids on Instagram and here's the, you know, but you're like, it took a lot to get to this point where they're all smiling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's, exa- you couldn't say that better. That's really awesome. <laughs> Do you have, what, what are some, you know, cause you've been a dad now for 17 years, you said? 17 years, yeah. So three kids, what are some kind of like things that you have uh, learned and developed to kind of like be your dad of the year as you, as you've given yourself, like, are there little tricks you're like, okay, now when I come home, I need to like, I have to get a good night's sleep the night before or whatever it is. I got, I have to like meditate before I get home or what, what, what are some of the things that you kind of incorporate on like a daily basis to like be super dad? Yeah. I mean, definitely one of those things is, is, preparing my heart. And I think what that means is like, you give out so much that my wife said to me years ago, she's like, you give out everything to everybody else and you come home. Mm. I feel like I get nothing. Because you actually, Mm. because you're Mm. you're pretty good with the kids. It's almost like you knew that you don't want to scar your kids, but it's almost like she's doing that. So I think that it is, you're pouring out so much and you give your heart that you have to just go, 
okay, I need to prepare myself to even be present because here's the deal. You can be with your kids, but not be present. And we all know hmm, that. Right. We all understand that concept. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the communication that I've had with my kids is one of the questions that we ask, and this is the intentionality, is instead of going, hey, hon, how are you? There is a question that we ask. We say, how's your heart? Because what happens hmm. is for some reason does a different uh, mind shift in everybody and me and them instead of like, um, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good. How's your heart? And you're like, I don't know. My son, of course, when he was three yeah. or four, I go, Hey buddy, how's your heart? And he goes, I don't know. Uh, I think it's, it's beating, you know, so you know, I got to wait a little older to explain to him what that actually meant. Um, right. but I think that type of conversation and that type of, um, wordy, even verbiage, you have to change verbiage sometimes yeah. to go to a mm-hmm. different place. And so I think we've learned that, trying to learn the art of, of going, okay, I need to prepare myself for, for being intentional and being present. And I know mm-hmm. my kids, this is my, I'm terrible. I get really, mm-hmm. I don't have ADD, but I, I, they can get, it's like, you know, I can get close. So I get distracted very easily. And all of a sudden they'll be telling me a story. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. I'm like, dad, a cat just got ran over by a car. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know. And they're like, and they, that is like, I guess that's me. I don't mean to do it, but I just, I'm like yeah. off thinking of something and they're telling me things. And I'm like, mm. Oh, that's great. And they're like, dad, <laughs> like it's so funny. That, you know what? That just happened to me yesterday. Uh, like I picked my girls up from school, you know, I'm ta- talking to them in the car. And those are some of the special moments. Like when it's oh. just me and my girls in the car, they just got home from school. I ask them how, you know, how, so really? how was your day? How was that thing that, you know, and then later that night at dinner, the four of us are at, you know, and I ask some question and they're like, daddy, we told you that in the car. Uh. And I, the amount of shame that I feel oh. in front of my wife, oh. I feel like Amy's like, you're not, you're screwing up still. You're still I, not listen, listening. I haven't learned this. this. What, what were you thinking about? Songs? Lyrics? Lawnmowers? My, my yeah. wife said to me, she goes, like, I can tell when you're in writing mode because you just are. In oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's right, really well said. She goes, I never ask you any really deep things or any like, hey, we need to do this. What do you think about it when you're in writing mode? Like, oh, it's probably. Uh, the sad, the, the, I think that's why I'm never helpful is because I'm always in. I guess that's my problem. I, I literally. Keeps encouraging me to do a cover album. Just so I have to write anything. Yeah, you don't have to think about it. Just play. <laughs> we, we were on a walk two days ago and, and I'm going to out. She knows because she knew in the moment and she was just really gracious with me and let me try to play it off. But I, she literally just said something and I said, and I asked exactly what she had said. Like, nanoseconds before and i because i just drifted i was off and and i turned the corner i was like god it's crazy so how did they get there she's like what do you mean i was like "Uh uh uh uh-oh 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 get out barnes get out this is is his headquarters we need you to get out as fast and i was like what how did how did how did they get there? she's like i i literally this is exactly what she i literally just told you that they drove there and i was like yeah uh and then i did this which she was just kind and let me get away she's like i said well but i mean like did they take their car? And she's like, what, what do you mean? I was like, well, is it, did they walk there? She's like, I just said they took, I, but what car? And she's like, still in the Mazda. I was, and I just, and I saw her go, I'm going to let you, I'm going to, okay. Yeah. They took a, oh, okay. Yeah. They took a different car. Okay. That's really, I was trying to get to more just the transportation situation. Cause that meant I just, and then the new, it was like, everything was set and I was, and I couldn't, Oh, so get out of there, yeah. You, you, it goes out of your mouth, and you realize yeah. uh, there's nothing I can do about yeah. this. Yo, yeah, yeah, the, the trap is set. She could kill me right now. Oh, she could just be like, I have everything to just it annihilate would be justified you. too, even a court of law. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah we all yeah, know yeah. that. They'd have been like, oh, he didn't hear this yet. You should definitely take him out. <laughs> um, do you feel like w- with your kids being older, it's fun having you know guests who've got kids that are in their teenage years. What do you think some of the biggest differences in those seasons of life from the like, you know, where John and I are – we're nine, seven, and five. John's stair step between that. You know, what do you what do you think of the biggest? Like, what do you, looking at it now from the thirty thousand view, being in both seasons, what are the biggest differences in those seasons? I think you start seeing more of well, for one, you start seeing more of their um, desire for certain things. Like, you know, when they're, they're young, they're like, oh, like my son loves Legos, and he's ten, and you know, hmm. he doesn't really like. I'm, I try to get him to play baseball, and he's like, no. 
Like I just not mm. playing sports. And like, okay. Like one day we were playing baseball and and he was hitting the ball great. And it was like just a fun wiffle ball with the family. And everyone's like, Egan, you're killing the ball. And I was like, buddy, you should play baseball. And he finally goes, <laughs> and he goes, okay, fine. I'll play baseball. So I'm like, I'm rejoicing. I'm in my heart, like I'm a sports guy. Holy cow. And then as he's walking to the car, he looks at me and he's like, no, I'm not playing baseball. I don't want to play baseball. Don't pressure me. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like just straight <laughs> up. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. You don't want to play baseball. So my point is you start seeing like what their desire is. Cause my daughter, and I'll kind of get to the point cause I'm, I'm doing this around rabbit trails. But she said, you know, when she was 10, she goes, dad, I don't want to do what you do. And I was like, whoa, hmm. there's one of those moments. Like, I don't want to be a singer. And I, I just said, wow. baby, I don't care if you never sing at all. I want you just to do what you love to do and just serve the Lord. And that's it. That's all I care about. I'll support You're you. You're like, baby, is it because daddy's so good at this? That you can never. Is it just up? hard to eat? Yeah. <laughs> we, I get that, like, honey. Read my stats she had it. And it just, it's hard. To <laughs> oh my God. Did Dave read my brag sheet to you? I know. No, she it's had a copy of your first record in her hand. And she's like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> that, that was, see, John just threw a bomb right there. That was perfect. He knew. He knew. That, that resonated with all of our hearts right there. <laughs> that was brilliant. And but then what happens is as they start becoming teenagers, you start seeing them kind of just really develop what they love. And now that's what she wants to do. She wants to play music. And they uh, both they both play music, my oldest daughter and my youngest daughter, and they're both brilliant in, in their own different ways. Um and, yeah. and, and what's rad is they're they have different giftings. And so I feel like that they with their different giftings, uh, they don't feel like they're in competition because it's yeah. it's just mm-hmm. different. And um so I think that's one of the big things as you as teenagers get you start seeing more of their desires that what they really are could step into and then the conversations are beautiful like you guys Mm. you always have really cool conversations you know of course with your young kids and you know when your son says you know you're talking about the delta variant and you're like he's like well why don't we just quit flying delta then i was like no son that's not what what he said he literally said that and so finally someone said it yeah so (laughs) Quit like Delta, but it comes from those kind of funny and fun conversations that you love, and because we all have dad funny stories of what things your kid says mm. to yeah. really deep character building things. So you're going to start. Mm. You get that when you're younger, of course, because you have to build character when you're younger. But I think you're starting to see, you know, their things that they are bent towards that you want to help guide. Mm. And so I think mm. it's a beautiful like shift of of you know adulthood that you're going wow here's a little adult now. Let me really try to screw mm. you. And that's the beauty of the shift from those ages is you start seeing that. And um, it's a just mm. different challenge. It's a beautiful challenge. Mm. It's a different challenge. Yeah. Every stage of life has its own challenge. And we're in that teenage, like boys, driving now. I'm paranoid. have, you know, GPS locators on everything that she does. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to know where you are at every moment, how fast you drove, <laughs> you hit the brakes hard. There's an app that you can I mean, get. Is that. it as scary and terrifying as you thought it would be? Because I'm terrified of the teenage years. It's not. And I, I, I think that the anticipation is worse. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that mm. unless, you know, I think if, unless you know right now, you're like, I know I'm a terrible dad. So they're probably going to be terrible and it's going to be really bad. I mean, and I don't think you think that. So my, I think that if, <laughs> if, if you had that mindset and so like, yeah. it's going to be terrible because I know I've been terrible. Um, yeah. But I think that, I think we all have a desire to be good dads and we fail mm. mistakes, but I think our well, desires so. there, and I think cause your desires mm. there, you're going to make mistakes, but you're going to see the beauty of the outcome as they get older. And I think that you're going to mm, find yeah. challenges, but um, it's not, the anticipation is worse than the actual reality. Yeah. God, I want that yeah, to be true from your, from your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, sweet Jesus. <laughs> um, so, so thank you for your time. We always, we always, uh, uh, I mean, we know you've got a lot of boxes to, uh, to unpack there with your new home. Um, so we want to release you back to the wolves to do that. Two things we always ask before, uh, at the end of our shows, I'll ask the first one. Uh, the first question, what's the one thing you want your kids to know? One thing is I want my kids to know um, that you're going to get through every hardship that you may endure. You'll get through it on the other side. And I think because of, I never thought going through the loss that one of the most painful things that I'd get through it. 
And I look at the other end and go, wow, the beauty of what happened. I got through it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I know my kids know that no matter what hardship you may face and, and adversity you may face, you will get through it. Wow. Yeah, I love that. All right, last question. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Um, man, that's a, that's a deep question. Um, his desire was uh, to love Jesus with all of his heart, and we were the re- recipients of that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they were the well recipients of my heart's desire. So, anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Gosh. It's it's beautiful. That got me. I had to look up. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for being on. You guys, so great great with you. you. Oh, man. John, nice to actually meet you. Um, Yeah. Do love that you're from Indiana. Dave, hi. Um, So, no, just kidding. (laughs) I've I've known Dave for a long time. And so we haven't chatted for years, actually. And every time we do chat, it's hilarious and it's fun and I love having these deep conversations too so I appreciate you guys this has been fun